0: Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host Davey, aka Davey
1: on the Run, a running enthusiast, influencer, and marathoner, and I love
0: everything about running. As passionate runners, we look to use our knowledge and draw on past experiences to provide you with cutting edge science and insightful information. We are going to be unpacking the
1: fascinating topic of running with all stars, subject matter experts and everyday enthusiasts to not only help you improve your running, but also ensure that you experience maximum joy with every step that lies ahead in your journey, wherever that may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You mentioned that you have a, a mental health coach.
2: Yes, 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 I I've mean, got one. It's really improved my running by margins. I believe that long distance running, it's a, it's a, it's a mental game. Uh, sorry, I don't need a GPS watch mm. for my long runs because I found that it puts me under pressure and even when I'm tired, I end up trying to meet that target. Yet my body speaks to me and I'm not listening to my body. I always say running is logic because your body speaks to you and it's up to you if you want to listen or not. Yeah, so for me, the first half, I tried to pace myself. Then I'm in the last court of the race. I run with my heart.
1: Davy Nicola Akampora. How are you, my race winner? Race winner? <laughs> I'm hurting, bro. I'm hurting.
0: So Davey and I took part in the North Coast Ultra this weekend, and it's finally happened. We, we have made it big. <laughs> podium, podium finishes. Davey won the race. Can you believe it, guys? He came with one pack of sweets, didn't even use it, and won. Well, you don't need
1: to bring any nutrition when your coach is running with you because Nick just handed me everything I needed. I got salami sticks. I got dried apricot. Yeah. I got sweets. Hey, I, got, I was just handing...
0: I could have handed poison to him and he would have taken it at any stage. I also got a, would have got lost if I wasn't with you, so... Yeah, so Davey up. was not prepped. He has no directional skills, but despite his differences, <laughs> he still one. won the race. And I think that's a nice... Intro to today's podcast because despite your differences in life, there's no reason that should be holding you back. Absolutely nothing. Prodigal Kumala. Prodigal
1: Kumala. I think this is one that we've been very much looking forward to. A local legend in South Africa and pretty much a, a running uh, hero in Durban. Prodigal is actually in studio
0: with us. I think he's yeah. about to walk. Yeah, in. he's going to be here soon. But Prodigal's a two times comrades winner. Uh, <laughs> gold medalist Prodigal's a two (laughs) times comrades gold medalist and a two times utct winner that's it that's it he's a coach to some some of the finest elite athletes in the country and he's the founder of the orcas running academy and i think what's uh, very interesting
1: about prodigal's story is the fact that he is road runner turned trail runner he hasn't had what you would define a normal running career. Um, He started quite late in his journey. And yeah, pretty much digressed from road running and he's absolutely smashing the trail scene. So I'm very excited to hear all about that story. Um, So
0: today we're going to be talking a little bit about grassroots to elite level running with... Mr. Kumalo. Prodigal, thank you so much for coming in studio with us today. If uh, For those of you listening to the show, Prodigal's just come off a two-hour 33 marathon yesterday. So he walked in pretty, <laughs> pretty fast into the studio. I was quite impressed, actually. His legs clearly aren't very sore. And he drove here. I remember after my
1: first uh, sub-three marathon, I couldn't drive for like a, a whole week. But he's been doing this for a while. Prodigal,
0: tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I've um, running for quite a long time now. I started running in 1999. I was 18 years old. Uh, I would say I came to running by accident. I used to play soccer and um, I broke my wrist. Then my best friend was a runner and he said to me, because now you're dressed from soccer, you can come join me. So that's how I started. My friend was a sprinter and I tried to sprint. I realized that no, I can't sprint. I said to him, so... Care on sprinting, <laughs> I'll just do some laps, you know, <laughs> then uh, introduced me to a coach, yeah, then yeah the rest is history,
0: so that's when you realized you had
1: you had a talent and and, and eighteen is quite uh, quite old well, when I say old, I mean it's late to start it's late to start and then turn out to be a, a elite athlete
2: hundred percent, I agree with you, but because of soccer, I think the background from soccer it really helped it because I've been active all of my life, yeah. And uh, I never made a lot of mistake. It only took me six months training by myself. Then after that, I was under guidance of a coach. And that really plays a big role for me.
0: That's quite interesting that soccer was your your entry sort of route. Because I also, I used to play, I only used to play football. That's all I did. And then I moved up here and there was hardly anywhere to play because I was always in Durban. Yeah. And then I just that's how I picked up uh, some running shoes and started running. Sure. And I always say that that background, even in soccer, I used to feel like I was, I was always the fittest guy on my team. Yeah. But uh, I never really got into the enjoyment of running until you actually start. And my thing was also an injury, so I can mm. completely relate to that. But you, you're originally from Zimbabwe, aren't you?
2: Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. I was born in Bulawayo in uh, 1982 and I uh, moved up here in 2004. 2004, and, yeah. and why Durban? Well, uh, because Durban obviously has got the best weather for running, so yeah, <laughs> I really love Durban, yeah.
0: And, and did you ever consider
1: Joburg for the altitude?
2: Yeah, when I came, I, I did I did best in Pretoria West, trained okay. there at the camp, there was a club called Harmony Gold, Okay. so they had a training camp, so I trained there a bit with them, and we used to race in Joburg as well, then yes, eventually I had to move to Durban.
0: So do you find that starting your journey late, your, your running career late, is actually an asset allowing you to still now run at top level at, what, the age of 40 now? Do you think that's, a, that's the case? Because you started late, you can go a little bit later.
2: Yeah, yeah to give you an idea, most of my runners in my academy, I, I deal with youth from 17 going upwards because I realized that uh, the runners that start from that age they know exactly what they want so that's why I don't really deal with under 15 because sometimes some runners they're forced by their parents to run mm. but at 17 18 yeah, you it's know it's exactly that you want to run mm. so I always relate that to how I started because I know that you know this is the decision that I want to make I want to run I'm not forced by anybody and and,
1: yeah. and the um, when you when you talk about the academy you're talking about your Orca's running academy
2: Yes, yes, it's correct, yeah.
1: So just tell us a bit about Orcas and why you started that, because you are the founding member of Orcas Running Academy, correct?
2: Yes, it's correct, yeah. Yeah, so the Orcas started in 2018, so it's four years now. It's been a dream to say, I want to pass on the skill. Because um, when I started, obviously, I never had good resources. I used to run barefoot. And yeah, so I was really motivated to say, you know, in the townships, most there's a lot of talent and mm. uh, most runners, they, they don't have coaching and they don't have the resources. So I was really motivated by that to start the academy. So 2018, we started the academy and um, we formed up a committee that's going to run that organization. It's actually a foundation. It's called uh, Prodigal Kumado Foundation and Oka sits under that foundation. So we we actually do a lot besides running. We teach them the skills, you know, like an Oka because an Oka passes the skill. Oh. To 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 the next generation. So okay. that's why the name Cam Okus.
0: Very cool, prodigal. And I mean, how do you go about identifying this talent? Because I'm I'm a big believer that there's so much untapped potential in this country. And I mean, I know that your the canopy is in under, is it not? Correct. So, and I'm I'm very interested in what you're saying because I, I'm finding the same thing with especially this North Coast region, Shockers, Kral, all of this region up here. I, f- I feel like there's, there's so much hidden talent uh, where individuals don't even know the gift that they have born with. How do you go about identifying it and realizing that that's a runner that's got very high potential? And then how do you go from there to turning them into a runner?
2: Yeah, well, that's a good question. If you look at my club, when we started uh, we really attracted over 100 runners. I think we were one of the firsted, uh it was one of the fast growing, I mean, teams in the country uh, because everyone wanted to be trained by me. Mm. I mean, most of the runners, uh, mm. I wouldn't say everybody. So I, I end up having the main group, the main group, which consists of 15 runners. So those are like really potential runners. And half of them, I've really picked them up in races myself. So I'll go to a race, then I'll pick up a runner myself. And I think maybe, you know, that we got in a building, an academy mm-hmm. training camp. Then I'll talk to them and take them to the camp so that I can really monitor them. Then the rest of the group, they have to run a certain time to be in that 15. But every year I only deal with that main 15. Sure. And I've got three other coaches that help me because I'm the head coach. Mm-hmm. But I've got three other coaches that deals with them. I mean, the, 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 the younger guys. runners. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. As I said to you, I specialize in the youth. Yeah. But we also got 14 year old but I, I don't specialize in that. I've got coaches that do, do that use for it. you. Yeah. So most of the, the runners, I've picked them up myself in, in the races.
0: And right. you have certain times that you're wanting them to hit in order to remain in that sort of top 15 and a certain sort of progression plan that you'd like to see. And... Uh, that, how did the runners deal with that i mean there must be yeah. some some pressure behind yeah. that as well sounds like a very you know, high mm. pressure environment mm.
1: but obviously i mean you're looking for very talented runners so mm. i mean what, what what is it that you look you know time-wise say 42k 21k
2: yeah correct uh so I, my, my times are normally best on 10 kilometers so if you're 18 years old you must be able to run under 34 minutes you know, without proper training, it shows mm-hmm. that you got the talent. Okay. Then we can train you to run maybe 30 minutes or 31. Which
0: is, w- what is your PB410? Just under 30, eh? Yeah, I've, re- I've <laughs> run 29. Yeah, 29. Don't pretend like you didn't research that this <laughs> I did research. I did do some research. Of course, we need to do some research. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'll get in. I want to chat to you a lot of, a lot more about your running as well, but I'm really enjoying what this conversation is going with the Orcas Academy. And I think in terms of the youth of today and the potential that I mean, running as to, to change people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as it's, Done exactly to you yep. you know there's there's a lot of difficulties in this country in trying to develop talent obviously funding is a big aspect of it how do you go about you you obviously have sponsors I know you did a couple of fundraising runs and all that just chat to us a little bit more about how you go about supporting this Academy of yours
2: yeah no when we started obviously it was a big challenge because most uh, sponsors nowadays they want I mean a ready product yeah. You know, yeah. they always say, we're going to give you this, what you're going to give us. So that's why uh, the development is dying, because no one is really interested in grooming an athlete. Yeah, they
1: don't want to take the risk.
2: Yeah, 100%. So they want to get someone who's already there and running the good times. So I, I had to convince my sponsors to say, uh, please, can you come on board and just meet me halfway? This is what I'm doing. And uh, companies like Hollywood Beds, uh, Bonagute, they've come on board but it was just a once-off, I mean, sponsorship. But at the moment, we're looking at getting someone who can say, guys, I can commit to you for two, three years. Uh, that's what we're looking at. But yeah, at the moment, Hollywood Beds, they always support our our projects that mm. we do because every year I have a project that I run.
0: And in, in terms of the academy, so you've got you've got the runners there, you've got facilities for the runners to uh, stay at, you've got coaches. What else do you have as part of the academy? Do you have strength and conditioning? Do you have rehabilitation? Is that all parts that uh, your runners get access to as well?
2: Yeah, those are the things we're working on at the moment. But we, as I said, the few individuals that are supporting us, mm. There's Shamim Khan, physiotherapist, they support all my runners when they got injuries and they treat them for free. Yeah, that's all for now. But yeah, going forward, obviously, we're looking at building up a small gym, which is our challenge, and transport to taking runners to the races. This is our challenge. Transport, yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and Nick's background is, um, he's a bio by trade, so... Nick, Nick believes you know quite heavily in strength and conditioning and and getting strong as part of running and um, so is that something that you you think that your runners could potentially be missing out on because of a lack of funding or because of a lack of opportunity to get into gym and in front of buyers do you think it'll make a big difference for those
2: runners yeah, yeah definitely definitely because as a professional runner you're gonna have to do everything right mm-hmm. uh, and for them, obviously, they're missing that part, and I, I personally believe in that. I go to the gym myself, and it has done so much wonders in my running. So I believe that they really need it.
1: Oh well, if they if there's any uh, buyers out there listening that that wants to get involved and to the Orcas yeah, Academy, yeah, this I would think, be.
0: A... I think we can have a conversation off air, the two of us. I'm not looking at Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying nah, anybody. Yeah. No, that would be that would be awesome. I'd love to. I'd love to come take a look and and see how the runners are doing. That so <laughs> we can definitely have this conversation. On the top of what you're saying, you know, it's it's a game of small percentages when it comes to that. That elite level, that top level. Hmm. And I, I'm a firm believer that just someone that has a good plan. That That's the major starting point If you take someone An athlete that's got no plan And it's just running haphazardly You put them on a solid plan It doesn't have to be anything fantastic But the moment they've got structure They're going to start to see massive improvement But then yes. thereafter Once you get to that element It's, you know The nutrition is that 1% That strength is the 1% yeah. The management All of it adds up So if you've got all those pods Working together essentially That's how you make an elite runner, right?
2: Yeah, correct, correct Yeah you're going to have to do everything right. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we, we can certainly have a, have a chat about that. I'd love to get a little bit more involved and hear a little bit more about it. I, I've got a question for you, prodigal in terms yeah. of your, you know, you are an elite runner yourself. Still, you, yeah. you still competing at a very high level yeah. and we'll chat about your goals and aspiration later in the show, yeah. but how do you go about managing all of these, these expectations from your athletes from your sponsors, uh, your own personal aspirations of achieving certain goals. There's a lot of stuff that goes into there. And, yep. you know, the ultra-trail distance running, which is what you would say specialize in, takes yep. a hell of a lot of time to train. How do you do it? Uh, I mean, also on that, on that note, I mean, you're a roadie
1: to trail runner. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's a story in itself, correct? Correct, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah there's a lot of unsung heroes, I mean, behind my career. I know most people, they see you running. They think you do everything by yourself. Yeah. Yes, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to be disciplined. But you, you you really need some other people to support you. So I've got a PR that runs my sponsorships and stuff. She's in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Her name is Mary Ann Shaw. She helps me with that. And um, I've got a coach that helps me with a mental coach. also is in Cape Town. Uh, his name is John McGrath. And I've got a coach, uh, I mean, for the gym, a personal trainer, uh, Craig George. So you're going to have to have mm. that team to help you. And for the academy, there is a committee that runs the academy. I'm just the founder, but um, yes, I help to make decisions, but I don't really run, I mean, uh, the academy. There is a lot of people that runs it. I mean, unsung heroes, yeah. as I said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You mentioned that you have a, a mental health coach. Yes, yes, yes. I've I mean, got one. That's, that's huge. It's very interesting because I think a lot of a lot of runners nowadays also, you know, don't think about that side of things. It's all about physical fitness, getting strong. But also, I mean, as we know, it takes a lot, especially performing at at high levels. You know, a lot of mental strength. So yeah. has that been something that's um, been a bit of a game changer for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It
2: really improved my running by margins. I believe that long distance running, it's a, it's a, it's a mental game. I mean, especially um, ultra distance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how
1: many yeah. times do you think I just want to quit? I thought Man, out over the weekend I wanted to quit about five,
0: <laughs> yeah. five, ten times. Yeah, because Davey's way of running ultras is he's going to run at his marathon pace. He's yeah. then going to stop his watch, wait for me to catch up to him. <laughs> sure. He then starts <laughs> his watch again and keeps going. That's, that's <laughs> Davey's way of doing it. <laughs> Let's take that offline, please.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Running long distance, obviously, it's a, it's a mental game. It, it's about how much you want it. Um, how strong is your mind you know you can train as much as you want but if your mind is not strong you know you're not gonna get to into the finishing same as running comrades mm. after 70k you know it's about how much you want it. 100% you've left everything on the road you know it's about how much you really want oh. this you know and
0: that's, what are, that's goosebumps yeah, goosebumps coming coming from this guy, especially Davey's running his first comrades this year. Yeah. yeah, so he he doesn't know yet what it, what is going to come to him at seventy ks, but yeah. I'm sure he's going to think about your words very carefully. How mm. bad do I want it? How bad yeah. do you want it, David? Correct. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, what other sort of things do you say to yourself? In, in the run like comrades. I mean, I know from my personal experience, I've only done one, but... You were crying were, like a baby. I was crying. Like I cried like seven times. Every time yeah. I saw Leah or someone that you know, you just get so emotional. It's such an emotional day. Because yeah, so much goes into your training yeah. and the day is just a day. It can be a yeah. good day, it can be a bad day. It's how you see it, right? Yeah. So yeah. what do you tell yourself when you're going through any sort of hard patch? Yeah,
2: so for me, the first half, I tried to piss myself then I mean the last cut of the race I ran with my heart.
1: Sorry, I just I just wanna I just want to break that down quickly. So um your comrades PB is? Uh five thirty-nine.
2: Five
1: thirty nine and when you say pace yourself, your <laughs> pace at a five thirty nine
2: comrades is? Uh I think it's about three forty-four, yeah. three forty five. I just yeah.
1: wanted to put that into context for anybody yeah. listening because <laughs> yeah. what'd
2: you say? Sorry, three forty? Three minutes forty-five. Yeah, that's, okay. that's unbelievable. So when I'm he's
0: sorry. pacing himself, he's doing 350, 355, <laughs> and then he's when the heart kicks in. Oh my Lord. That's
2: When he pushes it.
0: No, guys, yeah. I'm sorry. That is absolutely nuts. I love that statement though. That last quarter, it's it's all in the heart, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you
2: run with your heart. I remember my last gold medal. I was cramping. I was finished. Oh. But I said to myself, I really want this. I want to finish. I've trained so hard. Pain is nothing to what I'm going to get. I won this medal. 100%. I, I, I couldn't see what I was doing, but all I remember is just shuffling going forward. <laughs> that last 15Ks, yeah. So and, it is a mental game.
1: And you have two gold medals.
2: Yes, I've got two.
1: And a gold medal is a top 10 finish.
2: Yes. Unbelievable, eh? Yeah, and I've missed gold three times.
1: Eh? Three times, but how many I've places? Three
2: elevens. have got three 11s. Three 11s? 11s. Yeah, No. Yeah. <laughs> she if they're going to have a medal... <laughs> 11, number 11. Exactly number 11. is my name,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then what, what struck you to go from road running? Because, I mean, I think of Prado Kumalo I think of Comrades. Yeah. So mm. wh- where did that uh, trail running side come in? What made you decide?
2: I really enjoy to do different things. You know, sometimes I even cycle. I don't want uh, to do one thing for a long time. Even if I go to a movie, I can't watch a movie for three hours. <laughs> I'm that kind of a person, so, so I can't.
0: But that, <laughs> that's why he tries to get his run over at comrades as fast yeah, as he yeah. can, because otherwise yeah. it's too long. It's, yeah, it's just a little pointer there watch out to all the cyclists. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe
1: Prodigal will be at uh, Durban City. Oh, no, he's going to do the Amashova. The Amashova, yeah.
2: Maybe one day <laughs> during the lockdown, I started peddling as well.
0: Okay. Hey, yeah. watch out, <laughs> <Hank laughs> McGregor! Hank McGregor yeah. is coming for you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, when did you start your trail journey? I mean, uh, I know that you've done many trails. You've also won quite a few trails and ultra-distance races. But you always started off as a, as a road runner. Yeah. So, what was your first trail run, and wh- and how
2: was that experience? Well, most of my training it's off-road, so it didn't take me a lot of time to adapt to trail running. And most of my training, sometimes I even go hiking, even if I'm training for a road race. You know, sometimes I just go out <laughs> for three hours walking in the mountains. So it's something that I used to do. Even now, I used, uh, I'm still doing. You still it. use it. And um, half of my training, it's either on the grass or on the gravel roads. So when I came into trail running, obviously it's a different ball game. I had to learn to run fast. I mean, on those rocky, yeah. I mean, in the mountains. So. That is still a challenge. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of skill.
1: And, and yeah. let me ask you this. What's, what's more difficult, road running or trail running? It's a sure, very yeah. important yeah, question. Yeah, eh? yeah, this is very... Because good. I think I know the answer. <laughs> I, like, I like road running because road running is a controlled environment. Yeah. You know what's in front of you. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's mapped out. You know, there's going to be very few surprises. Trail running, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you have to constantly focus on not tripping, falling, the technical turns. I mean, so much can go wrong. So I have huge respect for trail runners, and not just trail runners. I mean, especially ultra distance trail runners, because if you look at the hundred mile distance, I mean, guys are doing it what, twenty hours upwards. I mean, how much can go wrong in
0: twenty hours? It's yeah, so much. So, mm. so what is your take on
2: it, road or trail? Yeah, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Every event, it's hard on its own. I mean, yeah. there's some challenges in trail running. There's some challenges in road running. Road running, it's furious. It's fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and trail running, it's hard. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's, it's, a it's a different, different ballgame. Yeah. So I, I've got respect for all, I mean, the runners.
0: I see, I, see, uh, I saw a quote of yours where you, where you said that you do the road running to see how far you can push your body. Yeah. but you do a trail running to enjoy, enjoy life. And I I like that quote because it's, I, I can really relate to it. I love being out in the trails. I love just being out in nature and seeing things, but you know, like you say, so many things can go wrong on a trail. And also like, when you look at a, a ultra distance, like Davey says, a hundred mile, you look at someone that's winning a hundred mile, averaging seven minutes a K, seven and a half minutes a K. And you think, oh, that's so easy. That guy's like just power walking. You, <laughs> you try to do that for a hundred miles.
2: Sure, it's yeah, beastly. It's, hectic. it's yeah.
0: really hectic stuff. So I think both of them are just—they have their own intricacies—and right. I just take my hat off to to anybody. So your your ultra trail Cape Town. Your, yeah. your multiple win at Ultra Trail Cape Town. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those races? The first one that you did was 2016, correct? Yes. And yeah. I mean, UTCT is a very competitive field. Notoriously
2: difficult as well. Yeah. Very tough of course, yeah.
1: And that was the 100K, correct?
2: Just 100K, yeah.
1: Are you, are, would you ever consider that new 100 miler?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the next goal, obviously. Hey. Yeah. Okay, we'll chat about that. But yeah.
0: <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about this UTCT 100K, your first, your first win there. Yeah,
2: so the U2CT was my first, I mean, longest distance. I mean, even on the road, because I'd never run yeah, 100Ks. That's because so, there's no
1: road races that are, <laughs> that are 100 k
2: Yeah, so I went there and I said to myself, I just want to run and finish. So I went out there, I enjoyed myself. On the first one, I never even put so much pressure on me. All I wanted was to finish. Uh, between you and me, I was walking all the hills. <laughs> On my first one. I walked all the hills. I never ran the hills. I was just running after those hills. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just surprised that, that you won. I won the race. Yeah. You won it.
1: That, yeah. The first time.
2: Yeah. But after that, I said, I'm not coming back. At the finishing, they were convincing me, no, you have to come. We want you back. I said, i back. You have yeah, to, to defend back. your
0: title. Yeah, I have
2: but to But inside it. me, I was saying, I'm not coming back <laughs> because I really suffered at some points Uh because the race started at 4 a.m., it was dark running those mountains. It was yeah. yeah. It was uh, I mean an experience that I have never forget. It was one of the toughest races I've done in my life. Then the second year they convinced me, I said, Okay, let me let me go again. <laughs> Did and you run the hills? My
1: Did you run the hills this
2: time? The second time I ran the hills, that's why I broke the time. It's cause my you had, had Ryan Sands.
0: My... It's cause you had Ryan Sands
1: chasing, chasing you <laughs> yeah. I saw that I
0: saw a picture of you and Ryan Sands. So
1: you beat Ryan on that.
2: Yes, on the second one. But I've got respect for Ryan because it was my first race running with Ryan. And um, I know most people, they underrate uh, trail runners. They think they're slow. As you're saying, uh, the guy is fast. I mean, I've never forget that race, even today, because it was the race of my life. Really? The last 10Ks, I was finished. But when I looked back, there was no one. And uh, my seconding team was telling me that you're 10 minutes ahead. But at the finishing, Ryan Sands was like five, four minutes just behind. He was closing the gap. So I've got so much respect for him.
0: So a uh, hundred
2: miler there would have been interesting, huh? Hey? <laughs> hundred miler. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a dream um, that I put myself to say when I'm 40 years, I want to do hundred miler. So yeah, I have to do it. Whether so, I win, I mean, even if the time is slow, but I have to do it. So I promise myself today You'll probably end up winning it <laughs> Sure I'm not sure about that <laughs> Which hundred mile Are you gunning for? Uh, I'm still looking around I'll see after Comrades I'm feeling Okay So you're
0: doing Comrades uh, Again Yes I'm going to Comrades well, uh, I would love to know in Because ter- I mean You're a
1: veteran now So in terms of Comrades Are you um, in competition For
2: first place Veteran at Comrades? Yeah Something like that But to give you an idea Now the 40 year old They're fast, eh? Yeah Yeah <laughs> uh, They've it's been a, training well. It is the fastest, I mean, age group in the country at the moment because the guys are running under two thirty. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's insane. To be
2: nice to, to to win, I mean, in, in in my age category, I'll try my best.
1: And um, how many how many kilometers are you roughly running per week? Just out of curiosity for your comrades' training.
2: So my training changes now and then. During my peak, which will be July and and August, I'll be running. 280 to 300 per week, because it's the only time I have. What? I have time to myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, I go to the 280.
1: mountains. 280?
2: Yes, 280. In the mountains. To, to 320. Yeah, because outside I don't have disturbance.
1: Where do you even find, I'm getting my calculator out. That wait. must be what, 16, 18 hours. 280 divided by 7, 40 Ks a day.
2: Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> That's the kind of training we do there. I quit
1: um what what time are you going for at comrades this year
2: well i'll I'll be happy to get a gold again if i look at my fitness and the time that i just ran Mm. five years ago when i won the hillcrest marathon i ran the same time so i think i can try to contend for top 10.
1: wow unbelievable yeah
2: if if i can't get a gold, then at least try to run under six hours. I'll be very happy. place. I'm very pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure. and give, give 11
1: to someone else. Go, go for the number 12. Position. Yeah.
0: Wow, Prodigal. that is that is absolutely insane. And I, I mean, can't wrap my head around that. So you're saying that 280 to 300k is currently. What are you doing now? So in preparation for this marathon. Yeah, what's uh, a deload? Yeah, yeah, at the moment
2: I'm sitting at 150 to 180. Yeah,
0: yeah. so that's, that's our peak, Davey. It's fine. We got time. (laughs) We got time to catch up to Prodigal. No, (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas. No, 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 no. So, I mean, just chatting about that, uh, the, the long distance running that Prodigal's doing right now, training for his comrades, you know, he mentioned something like 280 to 300 kilometers a week, which just sounds absolutely insane. And even in his, his lesser weeks after this marathon, he's, he's still sitting at 150 plus kilometers. It's it, mind boggling. It boggles mine and Davey's mind because we're talking about that being sort of our peak. And it just goes to show the difference in levels as yeah. well, the, the time commitment that it takes. But something that I find extremely interesting is, again, the emphasis on the, the bulk of the mileage being done easy. So I, I know, I know, Prodigal, you said in terms of your, your distances, especially in the beginning, you're not really going uh, at a specific time on the longer runs. It's, it's more based on feel. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that and why? Wow.
2: Yeah, my training formula is quite different to most of the people. I know most runners, they like to, I mean, pace themselves in each and every training. Me, I only use my GPS watch maybe twice a week. Uh, I'm still an old school guy, Uh, I use my stopwatch. That's the watch that I use the most because I enjoy my easy runs. So you're not on Strava? I'm not on Strava.
1: Damn it.
0: (laughs) If Davy only had to use his watch twice a week, I tell you what, what's the you point?
2: Uh, he wouldn't be able to. And Strava followers, they'll kill eh? you, yeah. man.
0: Davey's, Davey's watch, so he ran on Saturday, he ran the Ultra. Davey's watch stopped working on Wednesday, it couldn't
2: charge sure. anymore.
0: Garmin had to send him a watch overnight to arrive on Friday because yes, this guy man. didn't want to yeah, run the long yeah. run without it. What's the point? But yeah. If it's one on Strava, it doesn't count. <laughs> sure,
2: sure. I've heard guys saying that, but yeah, anyway. Everyone is different. Yeah?
1: No, I'm um, no prodigal. Come mm. now. I mean, you're you, you do not need to be on Strava, okay? You have nothing to
0: prove. Yeah, a CV speaks for himself. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah, most of my runs are easy, but only time I do my quality sessions, those are the most important sessions for me. That's where I need a watch. That's where I have to meet the target. That's where I have to go all out. But all my runs are very easy. I run according to how I feel. Sometimes I can run seven minutes, okay? Yeah, you can't, be, you're, you're you can't believe it because I, I just go according to how I'm feeling. And all my easy runs are not on the road. Normally, I enjoy to run on the grass, in the mountains, but just go easy. So my long runs, sometimes I just say I want to run three hours. Uh, I don't really worry about what distance I'm going to cover. So I'm just running that three hours easy. If I want to do five hours, I go and run five hours easy. So that's how I train. But closer to my events, that's where I shift the focus. Now I go in in what I call the fighting zone. So in the fighting zone, now I, I, I want to try to run that time that I've set myself for that race. I want to make sure that mm-hmm. I can run this time. I want to get my, my, my body familiarized with that. Kind of pace, but now I decrease the distance mm. so that I'll be able to run that kind of pace. So, for example, uh, the last three weeks, four weeks to the race, if I'm meant to run four minutes a K uh, for that 90 Ks, so that 40 Ks I'm running, uh, I must be able to run four, four minutes, minutes a K. K but yeah. now I'm running on that terrain that I'll be running. So, if I'm going to run on the road,
0: the for example,
2: road. I'll be running on the road. If I'll be running on the trails, yeah. I'll be running that kind of pace on the trails but only the last four to three weeks but the rest mm. I don't need a stopwatch uh, sorry I don't need a GPS watch mm. for my long runs because I found that it puts me under pressure and even when I'm tired I end up trying to meet that target yet my body speaks to me and I'm not listening to my body I always say running is logic because your body speaks to you and it's up to you if you want to listen or not you know so Yeah, that's me in a nutshell.
0: I absolutely love that. I think that that point at the end, it's so easy, right? It's logical. But so many of us try to complicate it too much. And if you just allow yourself to listen to your body, I think the problem is a lot of people don't know what, what to listen for and that's where the experience comes in and that's why people would reach out to someone like you to chat to you to get coached by you to get an understanding of how to listen to those cues uh, it's it's a game changer really in your training and 100%. i mean how do you find the the altitude training in terms of obviously if you're going down to the mount or if you're going up to the mountains you're looking for a little bit of that altitude gain do you find that that gives you some
2: some boost as mm-hmm. well yeah, yeah, definitely. When I go out for training camps, it's not only about the altitude. Yes, the altitude plays a big role, but also it's about me to be out of the comfort zone because when I'm, when I'm at home, even if I really want to train hard, there will be something that's going to come on my way. So if I go out on, on, on the mountains, uh, it makes me focus Yeah, and it makes me realize why I'm here, why I'm training. And how much i really want to achieve this but yeah altitude training obviously plays mm-hmm. a big role in, in in terms of competing if you look the best runners in the world most of them they come from i mean high altitude places you look at east african athletes even the runners that are not best at high altitude they go and train at high altitude so that they can get that benefits because if someone you're going to compete with is training at high altitude, and you are not. You are at a disadvantage. You're going to have to try to match the competition as much as you can. As we spoke about the diet, as we spoke about the professionalism, you're going to have to try to do everything right. 70% of professional runners in the world, they are on eating plan, And if you you think you you can't follow that, then you cannot compete. Because Mm. if everybody's doing that, you're gonna have to do exactly what your competition is doing so that you can compete obviously two or three things you can do it differently but the rest obviously must be common
0: yeah it's discipline right it comes down to discipline how disciplined are you to following your plan following your your meal plan following uh, your recovery plan i, w- I want to just chat about your recovery modalities, if there's any things that you do in particular, but just touching on something that you've just mentioned, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. I think those those athletes in in Eastern Africa, it's not a very comfortable place to be training in in general. So do you you think that, that pushing out of your comfort zone in your training just makes for better, harder athletes?
2: Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, the East African athletes, and you also mentioned about the discipline Yeah, all those things they play a very big role. If you look at those guys, there's a lot we can learn from them. A guy that runs two or five will be training with a guy that's running three hour marathon. Uh, I mean, on long runs, they all train together. There's no one really underrated uh, another runner. I mean, if you look at the teamwork, I mean, the team spirit, it looks like a race when they're training like 100 guys. In the long run, and in South Africa, you don't really find that because most people, they believe that uh, it's an individual sport. Yes, it's an individual sport when you're racing, but everything at the background, it's done as a team. Because at the end of the day, you need someone to push you. You need someone to push you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, There are days where you feel like you don't want to run. If you've got a group, you're committed to a group, the guys will be knocking thing. at your door. Say, wake up Dave, we have to I go. Yeah. I mean
1: even even I find myself, you know, at track sessions when I've had like a big week and I arrive at track on a Tuesday and I'm like looking at Nick and I'm like we're gonna take it easy today kind of and we like all cave in together, but like you do you do need you know, that extra person or that extra group that's going to get you out of that, you know, comfort zone. Because I I think when things get hard, we always are trying to search for that base level or that comfort zone and just try and defer to that. But I think that's what separates people that are just going to be like, you know, pretty ordinary and then obviously elite athletes because they are the ones that are willing to actually permanently, or not permanently, but be out of their comfort zone for a long period of time to get those results.
2: Correct, correct. I agree with you. And also coaching plays a big role, as you mentioned that Nick, uh, he plays a big role in your running. You know, you you, you need someone to look after you and tell you what to do, you know, uh, no matter how much disciplined you are. But at some point, you need someone to tell you you have to back off. Like, I'm a coach myself, but there are things that I can't do Uh, myself. I always tell others don't do this yeah. it comes to me you know <laughs> sometimes it's hard to do it so yeah you really need someone to keep you really accountable 100% that's, uh, agree
0: I think that's the biggest thing that I find with a lot of the athletes that I coach and I'm sure it's the same with you prodigal it's just they just want to bounce that idea off of you just to make sure that they're doing it <laughs> right you know they're yeah. most likely right yeah. but they just need that reassurance, reassurance.
2: Correct. Yeah. And we need reassurance <laughs> And in running, uh, most runners, they don't really believe in in coaching. Uh, That's why most runners, they make mistakes. Because running, it looks like a simple sport. You just buy running shoes and you think (laughs) you can just go on the road. Yet there is a lot that you need to know. How you can pace yourself the program, how you get started. Some, they watch the comrades. And from the couch, they think, next year I can run comrades. Yet your body, uh, you're going to have to build your body to run that distance, you know. Can take you three, four years until you reach that stage, but you need that kind of professionalism. Someone who can guide you to say, "This is how t- you can do it mm. to get there." Yeah,
0: and I think that's the real beauty about running is that anybody can es- essentially look at prodigal, look, or watch comrades, and be like, "I want to start running. Let me get into it." And if they just take their time. And build up gradually and go through those those years of service that we like to call them. Yeah. I mean, anybody can at thirty, forty, fifty, pick up a pair of shoes, yeah. slowly, gradually become a runner and complete comrades. I mean, Correct. there isn't any other sport in the world that you can just pick up and become your best version of yourself at it. And it's yeah, it's, what you put in is what you get out. Correct, yeah.
2: Especially in running. Yeah. So
0: Prodigal I want to just chat about your your recovery modalities because obviously in a 200 250 300 kilometer week there's a lot of running involved a lot of hours Whoa. spent running how many hours are you spending recovering it would you say that becomes the bulk of your your rest in between your runs what do you do
2: yeah well uh, as i said to you my training changes now and then it depends with what race i'm training for but uh, normally i have one day rest And as we mentioned, the diet, uh, I try to eat a lot of, I mean, protein so that I I can recover. And um, yeah, and having that day of rest, that's another thing that really helps me. But closer to the race, I try to rest as much as possible, especially my last two weeks leading to any distance more than 42 kilometers. But before then, I, I train so hard, but the last two weeks for me, it's very important. I, I also come back to listen to my body. Some days I don't even train. If I'm feeling not to run, I don't yeah. run. Especially those last two weeks.
1: So you mentioned you take one day break. So
2: you ran hook race yesterday. Yes. And you rested today. So after a race, uh, I do run a fat legs twenty minutes. You ran today. I did run, but I uh, will rest tomorrow.
0: So it's you're like just shaking the legs out today. Legs yeah, out, after okay. the race,
2: I have to do that. Fat legs, two pose first, two poles easy for twenty minutes. Okay, if and your legs are so I just like striding, but I have to do that. Active recovery. Yeah. After recovery. I, I, after recovery, I also did recover active
0: recovery this morning yeah, I
1: on know. the bike. Baby, <laughs> I <I'm off laughs> sleep.
2: <laughs>
0: Prodigal, your if you don't mind me asking, in terms of your race day nutrition. Obviously nutrition is some is a big topic for runners it's something that I believe can make a huge difference on your race day especially over an ultra marathon distance Obviously there's a lot of trial and error that goes into it, it there is science behind it but at the end of it it comes down to what you figure out works for your body Obviously you've been through through it all, how, how was that process for you, and what are you sort of ending up with nowadays? Let me also quickly tell you what Nick decided
1: to take on his yeah. ultra <laughs> run this weekend. I think th- there was dried apricots. Yeah. There were some yeah. soft gummy bears. Yeah. There was cashew nuts. Yeah. There was salami sticks. A few sure. And then and then he had about nine different types of
2: goose. Yeah.
1: Sure. I was. It's called trying. Do, do you do you think <laughs> yeah. that that's uh, uh, treating himself too too well? <laughs> Or do you think that?
2: Yeah, I used to
1: do that. Do you have yeah. salami sticks on your <laughs> marathon runs?
2: Sure, so I, I used to, to do that. I mean, most runners, they make that mistakes because everybody panics if there is a race. Uh, you end up taking everything, putting in that bag <laughs> and not eating that because you, you're totally confused. You think you're hungry, you know, so that's why you need a really plan uh, if you're going to run, I mean, an ultra distance. Yeah. Since 2017, that's when I really learned about the healthy eating plan from uh, Coach John Hamlet because I, I, I've trained under him there in Dowstrom and I really tried it and it worked for me. So ever since then, I've been sticking to some of the things that I've been doing at his camp and the other things that I changed that obviously didn't work for me. So his diet was more protein and I realized that I was losing weight and um, I realized that I'm gonna to have to add some some carbohydrates on yeah. my diet. That's really what works for me. But uh, as you said, that um, you know, nutrition plays a big role in terms of your recovery and competing. For me, when I'm racing uh, nowadays, uh, I drink a lot of protein shake. You can't believe it. <laughs> I only take sugar the last quarter of the race, sure, because I realize that drinking sugar or coke early stages of the race it plays with my lactic acid. Uh, I mean, the NH goes up and down. Yeah. And I don't want that. So now I, I, I'm sticking to something that's going to be consistent in terms of my energy levels. So that's why I uh, decided to eat or take protein shakes three quarters of my race. Then the last quarter, that's where I'll take sugar. And I still drink Coke, <laughs> but I, I do dilute it with, with, some, with some water. water. You know, and I'm sponsored by 32GI. Sometimes I take the uh, the, the endurance. Okay. But, but only the last quarter when I really need it. Because as I say, the body speaks to you. Mm. As well, don't forget that uh, your body will tell you that now I have to eat. And long time back, I thought eating slows me down. I used to run 60Ks without even eating. Drinking and sprinting. You know, sometimes I leave those tables thinking that it's slowing me down. But I realized that, no, it's the other way around because mm. it catches up with you the last stages of the race. So
1: I think a lot of people also nowadays rely on goose quite heavily. So you were mentioning that so you do eat on, say, say Comrades Day, right? Yes. You physically eat what bananas. Um, what, what What is it that you actually like to like take from the table so that is actually solid foods?
2: Yeah, sometimes I take watermelon, uh, bananas, but just close to halfway Okay. but before then just uh, protein shake protein shake because I just tried to make it thick mm-hmm. I know they'll say put two scoops in 500 mils I'll put like five <laughs> to make it thick okay so cool. to be like food and drink so that'll be your solid yeah because that, that's
0: yeah. the tricky part right i mean for someone that's running at five minutes okay five minutes 45 yeah you can eat a sandwich when you're yes. running at 340 it's not easy to <laughs> it's so hard 90Ks, to eat yeah, yeah correct
2: yeah so so that's why i try to eat closer to the halfway because when you're competing after halfway the pace slows down you know but before then the pace is 100%, fast. Hundred percent, yeah. You you can't really eat, especially when you're competing in front. The guys are running like 315, 320, twenty a K Even on comrades day, it's 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 hectic, mm. and you're gonna try to survive to be there. The race is in that front pack. Yeah, if you're not there, you're not in the race. So you're gonna try to and, survive and, until halfway.
0: And and speaking of that front pack, this year we're gonna we're gonna see in Kona in that front pack.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely he's in good shape. Uh, he's a man to watch this year. He's one of the favorites. I think he has really proved that yeah he's, he he can do it yeah so yeah yeah you 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 will be right in front this year.
0: That's very exciting. What comrades would this be for him? How many comrades has he could, done?
2: Uh, this is his second one. Okay. So last uh, last uh, the last comrades was his first one when he came 11. Everyone knows the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean crawling and he lost the gold. So I think this time. He knows he got it. He knows he can do it. Uh, he knows exactly what went wrong as much as I'll be there to advise him. But he knows he got it, which is very important for him. Uh, he's, he's got that confidence. I so uh, I believe he, he can do it as much as we can not say uh, what position or he's going to win his target is to get the goal, so whether it's number nine, or 11, sorry, number nine, 10. <laughs> hey, you're stuck on this 11, right? Get it out Yeah, but, but yeah, we want him in in the, in the first 10. So that's the goal. If he wins, the bonus. Yeah, but we want him <laughs> in the first ten.
0: That's amazing. I, I yeah. think after comrades, we must get both you and Kosi Kona on the on on the podcast and, yes. and break down the yes. the athlete coach mentality because this is going to be me and Davey on comrades yeah. day. <laughs> Davy's got the talent. He's got he's he's ahead. Yeah. I like to think I've got the wise head.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: and I'm gonna. Crash and,
2: yeah. and start thing and he's going to come trotting yeah, past Maybe he's going
1: to be crawling. Sure. So um, before the episode, um, we obviously did some advertising on Instagram and we had quite a few people ask the same question. That question was, obviously you're an inspiration to quite a lot of people in the running community, but who inspires you or what inspires you?
2: My role model used to be Hedgir Priscilla's, but he is retired now. Okay. Yes, I uh, used to look up to him. And why is that? I mean, uh, his character, his attitude, I realise that it's not only about winning, but uh, outside the field, the way you carry yourself as an athlete, it's very important for me. So Helke Puselas has got that. I mean, you could meet him on the road and you never know he's a champion. Yes. And he's a man that has broke uh, over 15 world records, but you couldn't tell. So yeah, uh, he's a man that I used to look up to him. Well, I mean, I can
1: can tell that you look up to him because when we were trying to get you onto this episode, I I was like, okay, this is going to be quite tough. This is a very elite athlete, very, very popular in South Africa. And you were just so willing to be here and we really do appreciate it. And I think that's what's so important about role models, especially, you know. In South Africa where people do look up to runners quite a bit is is you're very accessible to the public and I, I think there are a lot of people that look up to you for the right reasons so we, we're just very grateful to have an athlete you know especially in Durban yeah. that we can all look up to and and try and chase on that field. Yeah, yeah. I
0: just want to leave it off with if, if Prodigal had a couple had, had three top tips for anyone listening to the podcast that uh, is running perhaps their first comrades or is looking to to break a comrade's PB or any ultra marathon there uh, w- what would be your your three tips for these these individuals
2: yeah well it's easy as I say that running it's quite logical don't complicate um, listen to your body if you feel that there's something not right I mean just walk uh, take a breather and run again you know. It, I know most people, they promise their colleagues at work, their friends, their family, that I'm going to do this. But your body can only do so much. And it's very important that you must come first. You're the one who's be running. So, yeah, take it easy. Enjoy. And uh, don't be hard on yourself. At the end of the day, it's a game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it. Prodigal, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you,
2: Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: All the best for Comrades 2022. We look forward to seeing
2: another gold medal finish. Thank you so much. All the best to
1: you. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. If you enjoy this podcast, you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple
0: Music and Radio Life and Style. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Making a Runner to follow the journey of our guests and our podcast and catch up on the latest news. Bye for now. Cheers, guys.